presence here with us today. Thank you that you, your promises you'll never leave us. And uh, we ask today that our um, will be fully present and engaged with the Spirit this morning. Because thank you that you are alive and you're in our midst. Just like Moses, we, we stand and we set the whole ground <coughs> Thank you, Jesus, that when your people gather together, your promises that you'll be there uh, in our midst. And so, so, Jesus, we, we ask that you would um, continue to rest on individuals here. We bless the preacher. Amen. I wondered, um, I wondered if you have any, have uh, been thinking and praying this week about what, what the Lord might want to say to us. And... Uh, I've written six talks for this morning. Uh, each talk's about half an hour, so um, good luck. Um, but as I've been sort of thinking, praying, dreaming, scheming, one of the overriding things I've been thinking about is family. And uh, if, if currently the, you have a family member that you're worried about, you're concerned about, you're just thinking about their... They may be lost, they may be uh, away from God, it might be that they're ill, it might be that there's something going on, some circumstance in their life, um, that you want us to part with you. Would you just stand? Would you just stand? And what we'd love to do is just pray with you. Okay, this is us church. Now, so let's part with these people. Put your... Uh, hands on them uh, in appropriate places, obviously. Uh, but just pray for them, pray with them. Ask that God would comfort them and be close to their family member now. So we're just going to take a few minutes, just pray, find out really quickly and just pray. Make sure everyone's prayed for. If there are people standing, just pray for them. People that are lost, people that are far from Jesus. interested in the small things, he's interested in, uh, in our worries, in our, in our thoughts, he's, he's not just interested in our, in our intellect and us gaining more knowledge, he's interested in the things that concern us and worry us, and uh, uh, if it's important to you, it's important to God, if, uh, if, if, if you're concerned and you're wanting uh, a, a breakthrough, you're wanting um, something to shift there, how much more does God do? These, these next, uh, these next over January, really, we're we're talking about the kind of church that we have felt like Jesus wants wants to build here in uh, in South London. And over the last few months, Viv and I have been dreaming, scheming, and wondering what kind of church is it that Jesus wants to build. And this time, eighteen months ago, uh, most of us weren't here. Most uh, eighteen months ago, most of us weren't here on Sunday. Or in our small groups, or uh, or being known, or or be becoming known, and we we believe that God is, um, has deposited a vision inside of us, uh, deposited what is the kind of church that He wanted and wants to begin building here in South London. Um, these last couple of weeks, I've been looking over some of the prophetic promises, some of the words that people have said to 
us about Balan Vineyard for, for years, like 20 years ago, five years ago, three years ago. Uh, and we had uh, some of the some of the themes were we had uh, prophetic promises that this would grow quickly. And our job, Viv and I, our job is just to strap ourselves in to this roller coaster ride. Not try to steer, but just ride the waves, the curves and the twists along the way. And what, what we felt God called us to do was to, to call people to join us on mission. Call people to, to, and invite people to come and partner with us on this adventure, on this roller coaster ride. Um, and so God's words to us were to go and bring life to Balaam and beyond. And so we believe that Balaam Vineyard is, a, is, is part of the movement, we're part of the bigger movement of Vineyard churches, but we're part of the movement where of ordinary people, led by ordinary people, with an extraordinary God. We're ordinary people. Ordinary leaders, but we've got this extraordinary God in our midst. And so what we're trying to do is we're seeking to rewrite the story of our community and love our city into life, love South London into life. Uh, God hasn't given me a vision yet for North London. <laughs> we love South London. Um, but we're to, we're, we're to be part, we're a tiny part of bringing life to this city. If you imagine a tapestry, we're a tiny thread in this huge tapestry of God. But we're still a thread. We're a thread in, uh, in God's plan to bring life into the city. And so we have a passion here to see every one of us, every day, everywhere, releasing, demonstrating and proclaiming the good news of Jesus in a way that leads your community into life. Uh, and last week, and uh, last week, if you were here, uh, we talked about a battleship. We're a battleship, not a cruise ship. And I did my best to put Christians off. Um, one of my phrases last week were, we don't really want to grow a church for Christians. Um, so if you're a Christian here today, we want to work as hard as we can to put you off. Um, we, we want to grow a church for, for people that are far from God. People that have never heard about Jesus. People have never heard about the good news. But if you are Christian here today, uh, come and partner with us. Come and join in with us as we go and bring, bring this mission of God in, into, into our community. Um, we, we, our family play a lot of board games, card games, and this week we play Monopoly. And, um, so this week, because of last week, I, I was the battleship this week in the hope to kind of finally have victory over Sam and um, uh, we failed <laughs> as we always do uh, and Sam has got this habit of he wants a seven and so he throws, he says seven and he throws the dice and the seven comes up and then he says right I need an eleven and he throws the dice and an eleven comes up it's, and so we're like constantly he's been doing this for years, constantly like this is unusual. Almost like he prophesies what's going to be into being. And so these next few weeks, as we talk about our preferred future, 
some of the things that we're saying is almost like we're going to throw out some things and prophesy into being what, what we feel the Lord's saying. Uh, last week we spoke about having the words to describe the gospel. What are some of the phrases and words that we use to describe the gospel? Uh, this week we want to talk about how we demonstrate uh, the Spirit's power. And so we're going to look at three passages. I, I don't quite know which ones I'm going to look at first, but we're going to look at a uh, passage in 1 Corinthians 2, we're going to look at Romans 12 and Matthew 10. Uh, the words are going to come up three. So the first one, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, I think, I imagine, yeah, there we go. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2 to 5. This is the Apostle Paul, uh, one of the founders of the, the church. He says this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Uh, <laughs> passages like this give me hope. <laughs> I like passages like this, because uh, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you that you've, you help us as, a, as someone who talks a lot. Um, so I, I visited, as I was saying, we're part of the Vineyard Church, part of the movement called Vineyard Churches, uh, and I visited a Causeway Coast Vineyard up in Northern Ireland, amazing, amazing place, um, and uh, visited them a couple of times. And what they're experiencing, what they are seeing is incredible. Uh, they're seeing incredible things in their community. And it's estimated that about 1 in 15 people in their town are part of the church. That's quite, that's quite a lot of people who in one town that are part of, the, part of the church. But what I really love, and a few of us have been there as well, what we really love there is the culture that they're creating is really interesting. They have a rule in their staff meeting, in their uh, church staff meeting that they're not allowed to tell a story that's older than a week old. That's more than a week old. And not allow, in the start, it's a rule. You can't tell a story. If it's eight days old, we don't want to know. It has to be a week old. And I love that. Because we want to know that Jesus moved this week. We want to know that he's alive this week. Not just three years ago, five years ago. And he's changing lives this week. And so if you want to change a culture, you have to tell a different story. You have to tell an alternative story. And we recognise here that in our culture, we carry what we carry in our hearts and in our minds determines the future hope for our community. Uh, someone once said that those who have the most hope have the most influence. Uh, in my sort of South London speak, I say, become a hope dealer. <laughs> become a hope dealer. Give away hope. 
Give away as much as you can. Give away the hope. Those who have the most hope have the most influence. Uh, and here in the vineyard, we have this motto, everyone, everywhere, every day. And we are on a journey in this church of realising and releasing and understanding uh, what we carry ourselves can have influence on other people. And I, I really think there's a shift coming in our churches where we won't just be praying for those that are entering the ministry. We won't just be commissioning... Hello. We won't just be uh, commissioning church planters and pastors and priests and vicars and those in the mission for it. We're going to pray for... We're going to send them to Africa. Um, what we'd love to see is commissioning and releasing um, business leaders, filmmakers, artists, entrepreneurs, peeping sport, musicians, teachers, parents, civil servants, broadcasters, graphic designers, cleaners, lawyers, all to be missionaries wherever they are. Uh, forgive me if I haven't mentioned the job. <coughs> but we want to be a church that releases everyone, wherever they are, to do that. What are you doing tomorrow? This time tomorrow, what are you doing? Just, just have a think about what are you doing tomorrow? We want to commission you and to enable you. So what you carry, the hope that you carry has influence. Ordinary people, ordinary leaders with an extraordinary God on Monday. So we change a culture through writing a different story. Uh, we think that it's changed often through gifting, teaching, or... but, but the culture, um, the culture changes as we understand what it is that we carry ourselves. And so my, my, my subject this morning is revival is sitting in your seat. Just turn to your neighbour. Revival is in your seat. Just tell them. There's a revivalist sitting in your seat. What God wants to, what God wants to do to change your community is sitting in your seat. What God wants to do to change your workplace, uh, your college, university, is sitting in your seat. What God wants to do in our city in our nation, in the nations, is sitting in your seat. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so as a community, what we want to do, what we're calling people to do, we want to provide opportunities where we can encounter God's glory, but more importantly, we want to learn is how to release it, how to give it away to other people. The key is, and this is what I'm proposing, the key is, is that we release the kingdom, what we already carry. But we do so with humility and compassion, as well as authority and power. We have these two tracks of a train, if you like. We come with all humility, all compassion, but we go with all authority and all power. We have these two working hand in hand. Um, yesterday we were out, some of us were out praying for people on the streets, we call it healing on the street. And what, uh, what we believe we're offering is an opportunity to hear a different story. 
And I'm, I'm convinced, and we've been doing this for, for a few years now, I'm convinced that if we can get people, if we can pray for someone, if we can allow them to encounter Jesus, a new story can be written. And so we, we prayed for loads of people yesterday. And we have a banner. I wanted to get the biggest banner I could. And it just says healing. And uh, we have some chairs. And we just invite people, come. Do you need some healing? Come. Come, come grab a seat. Uh, before we start, we gather as a, as a group. And we have other churches from Balaam and elsewhere come and, come and join us. And we just start gathering. We talk. We remind ourselves what God's done in the past, just to kind of build our faith. Uh, we often pray against the rain and the wind and the snow and everything else. Um, one time we were, we, we were just doing it at the beginning. We were just talking and praying. And one man came along. And he started, um, he started looking at the chairs. And he was kind of moving them. He was lifting them. He was kind of lining them up. And I kind of sidled over to him. And I said, hi, would you, would you like some prayers? And he said, no, how much do you want from them? <laughs> and I said, these are miracle chairs. <laughs> and he said, I'll give you 20 quid. <laughs> um, so we had a little conversation. And I said, would you like some prayer? I think I kind of shocked him, and he, he, kind of, he kind of went off. But on those chairs, we've got three or four chairs. On those chairs, we've seen people with cancer healed. We prayed for someone yesterday with MS. We've seen people with ear problems, eyesight, all kind. You know, you name the illnesses, you name the sicknesses. We've probably prayed for every most most diseases, most sicknesses, most pain we can um, we can imagine. And we've seen God move. We've seen God do powerful things on the, on the chairs there. We had a man who came came up yesterday, and he was a sensationalist. Cessationist. Cessationist, sorry. <laughs> yeah, not that. Not the first one. Scandal. <laughs> Surprise! Um, and so they believe, they believe that the the spiritual gifts, the ministry of this gifts, died out after the apostolic age. As soon as the Bible was produced and written, there was no need for spiritual gifts. There was no need for signs and wonders. There was no need for all of that malarkey because um, it died. It's all about all about scripture. So um, we had a frank conversation. He he brought to me the the word of the Lord to me that I was in sin. Um, uh, he asked me, have I been baptised? I said, yes. Have you been fully baptised in water? Yes. But have you been immersed? Yes. Have you repented of your sins? Yes. Uh, in the end, he said, I don't believe you. <laughs> so that was an interesting conversation. That was an interesting conversation. And um, so we, we left our separate ways. But we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power and the dynamics of the Holy Spirit. We are charismatic. So we believe that the Holy Spirit's gifts and abilities are available today. And so in this church, we actively demonstrate um, ordinary people, like you and I, 
<coughs> allowing the extraordinary God to, to work through us in us. So I was half thinking I might dedicate this sermon to him. That's fine, but I'm not that, not that evil. Um, some of the, you'll hear some phrases here. You'll see, hear some phrases here in our church. Uh, we call them axioms. Uh, and time to time, these are just short phrases which describe, uh, give us an insight. They describe more than just the phrases themselves. And so we borrowed, borrowed these from seasoned leaders like Daniel Strickland, Andy Stanley, Nicky Gumbel, Bill Johnson, Alan Scott, who runs Causeway Coasting Yard, Brennan Graham, and, uh, and there might be a few, a, a few of our own thrown in as well. And there are dozens and dozens of these. Uh, I just wanted to mention a couple of them around the supernatural. Uh, another scripture, and we'll just talk about that. These are some of Jesus' Jesus's axioms. So in Matthew 10 I wonder if, Abby, you can put those on the screen. Matthew 10 Jesus has a couple of these axioms for us. Short phrases which describe more than the phrases themselves. Matthew 10 He'll sit, raise the dead, cleanse those that have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Which is why when we, when we have a banner which says healing, Jesus says we're to go and heal. So we have a big banner that just says healing. Because Jesus says we're to go and heal. It just gives us an instruction to heal the sick. And so when we pray, we pray our best prayers in Jesus' name and we let God do the rest. But we go and heal the sick. Uh, I haven't prayed for anyone to be risen from the dead yet. Some of us have. Maybe some of us in the room here have. Uh, we prayed for a lady yesterday, and she had a skin condition all over her body. Uh, and this had been going on for about six years, and we just blessed her. And she came along, and she just said, I, I just need someone to pray for me. Uh, it's amazing that you're here. It's exactly what I need. Pray for her. We pray that God that says that he'll cleanse those with skin conditions. Other versions talk about skin conditions. And so we just pray for her, we bless her. Drive out demons. Uh, freely you've received, now freely give. Uh, we, don't, we don't look for the demons under every nook and cranny. We're not kind of out to, uh, let's drive out the demons. But when you were a battleship, and so being used to the demonic or being used to people that have got issues, all kinds of issues, and they just need some freedom. And, and God says, we're to do that. Freely we've received, now freely let's give that away. So what we're going to do the rest of the time is to, I've, I've been feeling God say, let's do a workshop. Let's sort of sh demonstrate the, the supernatural. So let's demonstrate the power, the power of God. Um, the Order of the Mustard Seed, founded by, I love his name, Count Zindendorf. He, uh, he formed uh, the Order of the Mustard Seed. Uh, it's an evangelistic organisation. They had three guiding principles. The first one, and this is probably where our culture comes in now. The first one is, be kind to all people. Be kind to all people. So this guy who came 
came at me yesterday to bring the word of the Lord, uh, we had this discussion, and he said, maybe I'm from God. And I said, I don't think you are. <laughs> because you don't act or talk or look like someone that knows, knows, the, knows God that I know. Because you're not kind to me. You're just judging me. And only God can judge us. So number one, be kind to people. Number two, seek their welfare. Seek people's welfare. So often the church, last week we talked about the church being an army. We're a battleship. This week we're a hospital. Church is meant to be a hospital. And so number two, seek their welfare. Number three, we're gospel-centered, so we want to win people for Christ. And so as a community, we're actively demonstrating and seeking and telling people about Jesus. We want to win them. We want to rescue them. Come, come into our boat. We need rescuing. Come into our boat. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, the last, last scripture, and then we're going to Uh, Romans 12 For by the grace God by the grace given me I say every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you again ordinary people God has given us ordinary people for each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, we, have a, we have an axiom, a phrase here, called ministry time. And there are times where we all need someone to come and partner with us in prayer. I remember there was a season in my, in my life where uh, whatever the response was, whatever the preacher said, and he said, right now, you need to, I'm, taught, I'm feeling God saying, this person needs to come down. I would say to Viv, I'm just running down now. I don't care what he says. Uh, even if it was a call for a one-legged mother in their 20s, I was, I'm going down. I'm going down. And I'd say to them, I'm, I'm just going. I'm going down. I needed the ministry. I needed someone or some people to come and partner with me for the stuff, the stuff that I was going through. I needed someone to pray with me. Uh, and what Jesus does, he always offers an invitation. Uh, sometimes... What the, what, the, what the Holy Spirit does is it gives, gives to us a word of knowledge. And so what we're going to do in a minute, we're going to invite some people to come up and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a word of knowledge, which might be relevant to someone here. Uh, a word of knowledge is simply a supernatural revelation about a situation or an issue or a health problem which could never be known by natural means. This isn't like Darren Brown or a magic show. It's God pressing pause and saying he knows you. He knows what's going on. So sometimes our people on the streets will, will go up to people and say, is your name whatever? And they'll say, yeah, how did you know that? 
Well, God, God knows your name. And we believe as Christians that God, God knows your name. Uh, sometimes I'll go up to people and say, hi, are you Tony? No. That's okay, I'll get it wrong. Uh, other times I'll go up to people and say, uh, I've got this sense that you're, you, you've got a back problem. Is that right? No. Um, but other times, uh, I'll go up to them and say, Hi, are you, uh, are you Mina? Is your name Mina? And she said, Yeah. How did you know my name? Uh, well, I'm a Christian. This can sound really weird, but I've been praying and asking God. And uh, he really knows you. He really loves you. And he just wants to press a pause on your life because he knows and loves you. What else? Some people say, what else? What else is God saying? And then, uh, and then we're able to invite, in, invite this person. We're able to give them an encounter. So, 